We welcome you back into Local News Live. I'm Nick Lunn. We're now going to tell you the story from our very own Agray TV station KBJR in Duluth, Minnesota. The flood of 2012 was something that people across Minnesota will probably never forget. An infinite, an infinite amount of stories came out from those harrowing moments, including the story of one eight-year-old boy who found himself lost in the floodwaters and carried for a mile before a man rescued him. Ten years later, that boy survived, became an 18-year-old high school graduate, and continues to live to this day. Our great TV station, KBJR's very own Dan Wolf, caught up with him ten years later, asked him about that day, and where his life goes right now. It's a story of love that transcends state borders and stretches all across the nation and multiple generations. Let's go ahead and get you out to that story now. Animal lives were taken at the zoo. Not a single human life was lost in the flood. And given what happened to a little boy in Proctor, that is nothing short of a miracle. So again, my first trait, surround yourself with great people, you have a better chance for being successful. On a late May evening in Hayward, Wisconsin, dozens of students celebrate their completion of high school. Calvin Michael Mansheim. But for one student, Kenneth B. Markovich. This ceremony is a celebration of life. An eight-year-old boy is lucky to be alive this afternoon after being sucked into Proctor's sewer system and dragged for a mile. On June 20th, 2012, then eight-year-old Kenneth Markowitz and his mom, Amber, were visiting family in Proctor, far from their home in Louisiana. That afternoon, the rain had let up, but the water was still churning. Well, me and my cousin, we were playing near the water and stuff, and a man warned us. Um, not to go by that, us being children, you know, we decided to do it anyway. I remember getting sucked in and pitch black. Kenneth disappeared underground in an instant. His mother panicked and horrified. All I remember is just going in the water and it, I, it got up to probably above my knees and I'm feeling around, and all of a sudden I felt like the, the manhole cover. They were holding me back, because I was going after my son without, you know, no second thought. Meanwhile, in the water, the eight-year-old had the presence of mind to hold his nose and know this could be it. This is my last breath, and, you know, this is where I meet God. That's what was really going through my head throughout the whole I remember one lady coming to me and, and she goes, do you want to pray? And I said, yeah, well, we were praying and somebody came up to me and told me we found a little boy. A mile downstream, the current spit Kenneth out right in front of Gordon Marshall's house. Marshall ran to the boy and helped him. A proctor man finally located him in the woods one mile away. He wrapped a towel over me and sat me down in his house and called the cops. Police and Amber rushed to the home for a reunion that minutes earlier seemed impossible. I just remember going in to the door and um, there, my son was there. You know, he was, of course, 
blood from head to toe, cut up and scraped. Amazingly, Kenneth wasn't seriously injured. He and his family appreciative of the help from a complete stranger. We're grateful for Mr. Gordy and his family. So Kenneth and Amber returned home to Louisiana, where just a few years later, their lives would be turned upside down by another weather disaster. Lake Charles and, and many parts of Louisiana had gotten hit by a hurricane, and it uh, took our home. The house Kenneth grew up in destroyed by wind and water. Everything was blown out from underneath the home. The walls had shifted. Everything was off. So they were forced to find a new home, relocating to public housing in Hayward, Wisconsin, a place closer to family and someone who'd stayed in touch all those years, Gordon Marshall. He would call to see how Kenny and I were doing, you know, how we was doing in school, Christmas cards, birthday cards. He'd become like our hero. My dad had 10 grandchildren. He really loved kids. Pam Marshall is Gordon's daughter. When he lost his battle with cancer in 2016, she learned how strong a bond her father had with the Markowitz family. He had so many pictures of Ken um, and just the conversations that we had about their relationship. I think their relationship just really touched my heart. So through Facebook, Pam picked up where her father left off, keeping up with Kenneth and Amber. And then nearly 10 years after the flood. She'll be at Kenny's graduation and we're looking forward to meeting her for the first time in person. Yo, this is Miss Pam. <laughs> this is Mr. Gordy's daughter. Three people brought together by disaster. <laughs> Yay! Finding ways to celebrate life's victories. <laughs> Probably one of the most terrifying moments of my life was also one of the greatest blessings because I got my son back. As for what Kenneth plans to do post-graduation, he hasn't decided yet, but he tells me he loves fishing and being on the water. Joining me once again on Local News Live is KBJR anchor Dan Wolf, joining us with this very special story, very special coverage, covering the 10-year anniversary of the flood of 2012 across Minnesota and the story of one eight-year-old boy back then's journey into adulthood today after a nearly harrowing loss of the floodwaters. Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Now, one thing I did want to ask is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you once told me that you uh, came to uh, KBJR back in 2014, was that right? Uh, I actually started here in 2016, yeah. 2016, okay. So, yeah. as a journalist there, now that you've been there for six years covering everything, how has the effect of that 2012 flooding across your market kind of left its mark on your area? Yeah, well, I mean, it was it was such a major event. You know, I wasn't in Duluth when it happened, uh, but I was down in Rochester in southern Minnesota. And, you know, it, we were covering it even down there just because of how significant it was. And it made national and global news. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's something that took a long time to rebuild. And since I started here in this market, there have been uh, road and bridge reopenings uh, that followed the flood. Um, you know, some four, five, six, seven years after that event. So I've, I've still uh, covered a lot of the rebuild and recovery of the flood, even though I didn't start here until four years after. 
Kenneth Markovich, his incredible story. Is that a story you've always kind of kept tabs on? Yeah, well, he uh, not so much him, but it's just kind of this. Uh, it, it's a well-known story that a little boy was swept away in the floodwater. Um, and that was kind of one of the big talking points in the wake of the flood. There was the destruction. There was uh, zoo animals escaping and drowning. And then there was this little boy who amazingly survived a mile trip through the sewer system. And uh, so it's, it's one of those stories people will reference and talk about. Um, but I don't think anybody around here knew what had become of him uh, since that. And as a journalist and a storyteller as well, how important was it for you to find a way to track Kenneth down 10 years later to kind of put a bow on this story that could have ended so tragically? Well, he was he was eight years old when it happened. So uh, he, he just turned 18. So he's an adult now. And so, you know, the 10 year anniversary of the flood was a big deal just because it's the 10 year anniversary. But now uh, he's an adult. And so uh, seeing where he was at in his life was something I really wanted. Um, and I, I had no idea where the story was going to take me. And there were a lot of twists and turns uh, to it. Once I was able to find them, it took it took a long time to try to find them and track them down. Yeah, what, what all did you have to go through to get to them? Well, all I had was was he and his mother's name, Kenneth and Amber. Um, and so I, I just started making phone calls, uh, a lot of random cold calls, uh, Facebook searches, Facebook messages to people that I thought might be related to them or who uh, lived in the area that the incident happened, just really random calls. And finally, I, I was able to track down uh, an aunt who lived in Duluth. I had no idea that they were actually from Louisiana. I definitely had no idea uh, that they had then tragically lost their home in Louisiana years after the flood in Duluth and then moved back to Wisconsin. Uh, so I knew it was going to be hard to find them. I had no idea it was going to be that hard to track them down. And so was it the aunt that led you to them? Yeah, she was able to. Uh, she, she didn't want to give me their number at first, but I asked if she could reach out to Amber and see if it would be OK um, for, for me to get their number and give them a call. And she said yes. And then she was she was so kind uh, once I was able to get a hold of her and said, let's do this. So many times in this business, we often interview people on one of, if not the worst days of their lives. But this is a family that's been so much, been through so much. Obviously, Kenneth almost losing his life when he was eight years old. But then just when you think you're out of that frying pan, you go into the fire of losing your home in a hurricane in Louisiana and then finding yourself in Wisconsin again. What was it like sitting down with them? Well, it was, you know, they're, they're both very positive people. Uh, and, and she was incredibly sweet. He was, he was nervous for the interview. And I think just a little uncomfortable to talk about that trauma once again, which is incredibly understandable. I don't think I would have uh, sat down and talked to me had the roles been reversed. Um, but once we started having a conversation, um, you know, once I made it clear, I'm not here uh, to try to be pushy or, um, you know, impose my journalistic will, so to speak, and just have a conversation 
that um, they they did open up and uh, kindly shared their story. And and there were a couple times in the interview, it was clear that uh, maybe I was pushing a little too much. And and you know they they let me know that, and I pulled back. And I think uh, there was just uh, mutual respect that was developed during the interview. And uh, what's been the response from the story so far? A, a lot of people um, have reached out and and had good things to say about it. You know, like I said, in this community, um, people know a boy was washed away in the flood and survived, and that's kind of been. Um, all that anyone knows about it. And so people appreciate the fact that I think that uh, there was this story that he has um, succeeded in spite of um, his past and um, just the, the good that came of the story, the relationship that was forged between Kenneth and Amber and uh, Gordon Marshall, who, who helped save the boy, and now Gordon Marshall's daughter after Gordon passed away. You know, it, it had a, a positive, happy ending, so to speak, with him graduating high school as well. And um, I think that's something that, that touched people who watched the story. It truly is a tale of love across generations and just a bonding that happened out of terrible circumstances. But to see so many lives from across the country brought together by a potential tragedy that ended up being a triumph, you know, it it has to be just a great experience being able to tell a story like this, a story of this kind of connection between people. It, it makes you feel good. Um, you know, I went into this, I had no idea, you know, it, it could have been a story about someone who, you know, that was the first bad break they caught. And then there were more and, and, you know, who knows where life could have taken Kenneth and Amber. Um, but it was inspiring to see how positive they've stayed all along through all these tough circumstances that they've faced and that they're they're still very hopeful uh, in the future. He wants to, you know, I think his goal, Kenneth's, was to uh, head back down to Texas at some point uh, where he has some family and live down there and start a life down there. Um, and Amber, you know, Amber has a big family uh, and not just Kenneth. So they, they were both very positive about their circumstances now and, and hopeful about the future. And that was inspiring to me. And it's great when you get to tell these kinds of stories about human triumph, because, you know, even at the end of the story, you mentioned how the, the trauma is so very clear with Kenneth. He, he became really quite emotional at, at some points during the interview. It can't be easy to recall that, but he loves fishing. He loves being out on the water. He's not letting that experience stop him from doing what he loves. It's incredible. Yeah. It would, and that was, that was one of the biggest surprises to me in a story full of surprises is that, you know, he, he wants to be on and near the water at all times. He did say, you know, uh, he gets a little nervous being around rushing water, which I think a lot of us do. Um, but he, uh, he, like, like you said, loves fishing, uh, loves the ocean down Louisiana, Texas. And, uh, that is not deterred what, what happened to him, um, in 2012 and then with the hurricane, um, did not kill that passion for, for being around water. And, uh, one thing I did want to ask you is that, you know, in your experience 
anytime we cover these natural disasters that happen, you know, it's so easy to feel disconnected or isolated in this, in our current culture. It's so easy to feel alone. And oftentimes on the worst days of these natural disasters, you then see some of the best of humanity come out when all of these preconceived notions of political affiliations and everything, it all just drops away and everyone's just trying to live. Everyone's just fighting for life. You know, how important in your mind is it to tell stories like these to show that people can connect, good can come from tragedy, we can triumph? Yeah, it's incredibly important because you turn on the national news all the time and and it's really tough stuff and even local news. Um, But if we don't talk about um, the kindness of neighbors and and groups and organizations and and just communities helping folks out who are down on their luck. Um, if we're not highlighting those things and actions uh, in a time of crisis, then we're not doing our jobs because that is very important to to shine a light on the humanity that does still exist, regardless of whether if whether uh, shown on the news on a nightly basis. And do you plan to keep tabs on the Markoviches in the future? I, I still have their number. Um, I'm going to touch base with him uh, probably about a year from now and uh, see how he's doing. If he wants to do a, a little update piece, um, I, you know, I would imagine he'll either be in college or trade school or something like that. That's what he was hinting at. So it would be cool uh, to stay in touch with him and, and follow his progress. That's a story and coverage we'll definitely continue to look forward to. Dan Wolf from our great TV station, KBJR in Duluth, Minnesota. Dan, once again, thank you so much for taking the time with us. Thank you. I appreciate it. Once again, our great TV station, KBJR in Duluth, Minnesota. That was anchor Dan Wolf who did this story. You can find this story right now. It's called Remembering the 2012 Flood, The Boy Who Washed Away. It's on KBJR6.com, our great TV station there in Duluth, Minnesota. But also they have other stories covering the flood of 2012 and where they are now in the state of Minnesota. You can find all of that right there on kbjr 6 We'll go ahead and bring it back here to Local News Live headquarters. We thank you so much for staying with us here on the story as we bring you stories of human triumph and love across state lines and generations. It's great when we as local journalists are able to report on wonderful stories like that. Well, we're going to be ending this Facebook Live here momentarily. But then at the end of that, you can also follow our 24-7 stream here on Local News Live. We work with our more than 120 local great TV stations across the nation to bring you live local news as it's happening around the nation. We're able to do that with all those journalists' help like Dan Wolfs, like our great TV station KBJR, and so many others across the country. We thank you so much for joining us. 